0: Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up worship leaders? My name is Dalton Schaefer. Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. We're not just a video anymore, we're available on podcasting apps. And so uh, if you wanna listen to this, maybe on your drive to work uh, or something like that, you can go check us out uh, on Spotify and other podcasting platforms. Uh, And today I'm really excited. We're gonna have an awesome conversation with a few guys about the Holy Spirit, his role in worship, and how we can better understand the things of the spirit, what's up, guys? I want to introduce uh, Aaron Williams first. How are you doing, man? Hey,
1: good. I'm doing great. It's so fun so, to be with you guys. Yeah. And Tell yeah. us a
0: little bit about your your uh, what you do with Dwell and all of that. Totally. Um,
1: yeah. So I've been a worship leader and pastor for all of my you know worship leading career. I guess since I've been out of college, um, all of those years were at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock. That's where I'm at, Dalton. And yeah, most recently, right before the pandemic, uh, I transitioned off staff to help launch a nonprofit called Dwell. And it's it's a worship and discipleship movement geared at uh, producing resources and events for uh, people wanting to grow in their faith. And so, yeah, we we kind of live at the intersection of writing worship songs and creating curriculum for small groups and things like that. But really trying to target um, the next generation of followers of Jesus and how to, you know, engage, especially maybe those who don't know Christ or have, for whatever reasons, uh, disengaged from the church. And um, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing that over the last, I guess, 14, 15 months. And it's been a journey. It's been a faith journey for sure, but it's been really great. And uh, yeah, I love this topic. So excited to hop in today.
0: Yeah, and uh, man, I love the songs you guys are putting out. We've been leading some of them. There's a Savior, so good. Um, Abide has come out recently, is super, super strong. Recently released with uh, the Worship Initiative as well, released uh, that on their 25th volume, I believe. They're putting them out so fast, it's hard to keep up. Uh, But at the time of this recording coming out, which will be uh, this following Monday, you will have just released another song. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, we've got a song called Christ is Enough. Uh, releasing, well, the day after we record this, but it'll be yeah, a couple of days, um, I guess, prior to when this releases. And yeah. uh, man, I I love the song that's coming out. It's just like a foundational type, um, as far as the theme of it. You know, it's just like totally uh, focused on Christ's sufficiency. It's kind of like a new take on a cornerstone or solid rock. Yeah. So yeah, yeah would love for you to check it out.
0: Yeah. We'll put links to that below. Uh, and that's a good segue over to John Azzarello from Mercy Hill church. Hey man, how are you doing?
2: What's up, man? Good to be on here.
0: Dude, super pumped to have you. You've been on the channel before, so hopefully our people kind of know you a little bit. Uh, but you guys also just released a song that I have been absolutely loving that ties us right into our topic today. It's called I surrender parenthesis, Holy spirit. Uh, and dude, I just want to say, I have loved this song. We started playing it in our pre-service uh, lobby loop stuff uh, on Sundays and we even like led the chorus of it uh, like two weeks ago, just spontaneously pulled it out and started singing it because it is so good. So go check that out. It'll also be linked below. Um, and yeah, check so we want to talk to you as well. The say YouTube what? video, I
1: said, check out the YouTube yes. video. Um, yes. Just the presence captured on that video of you guys leading it. It's so good.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. I loved, I love that. And that was all live recorded. So it's, yes, just super powerful. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. One of my favorite songs right now. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit though. Uh, in that song specifically in the chorus, you're singing to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's what we want to talk about today is how we understand the spirit. Should we, this is some of the uh, the questions that have come up as I've talked to other worship leaders and pastors, uh, should we sing directly to the Holy Spirit? Should we pray, which really our singing a lot of times is a prayer. Should we pray to the Holy Spirit? And should we even ask him to come, come Holy Spirit? There's a lot of people who might say, I, I really don't see that in the scripture. Some of the common objections to some of these things might be that it, you can't really find an example in the Bible of someone praying directly to the spirit. Uh, or someone might say, well, God's omnipresent. Why would you need to ask him to come? So those are some of the two like main objections when it comes to this topic. Uh, but we have some thoughts on that. And so I want to open up the floor. Uh, do you want to you just want to jump in with a couple of your you know first thoughts on that? Go ahead,
1: Aaron. Uh, I don't know if I want to break the <laughs> ice on. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, um, Dalton, maybe, maybe it would be helpful just to get started. Like, um, what, what do you think the the primary, uh, what would be most helpful for our conversation? You know, because I do think that we're, we're probably going to have people listening who are on both, all sides of the spectrum. You know, so, some people would probably think like, wait, we wouldn't, why wouldn't we pray to the Holy Spirit? And then, like you mentioned, other people might be coming from a totally different perspective on, uh, you know, I just, I'm not sure I see that in the scriptures, you know, maybe I feel like that's wrong or it's misleading. You know, what, what do you feel like would be most helpful for us to get to?
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I actually think it'd be helpful to share some of our own stories with how we've wrestled with this in the past. Because I know for me, and I guess I'll, I'll jump in and just share, is like I, uh, I joked with you guys, I'm I'm a recovering anti-praying to the Holy spirit or You know, like I... Four or five years ago was really against. Uh, I read through the Bible one time. I didn't see it in there. I said, I'm not going to do that then. I'm going to pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a common thing that you might see in this conversation. That is the regular pattern of prayer that we see in the scriptures. And so I said, that's the only way to pray. And as I've grown uh, in my understanding of the Spirit, one thing I realized is that line of thinking left me anemic with uh, regards to my theology of the spirit, I actually began to like forget that he was part of the Trinity, forget his role and like the uniqueness of what his role is and drawing us to salvation uh, his role in oh my <laughs> my camera disappeared uh, his role in. Uh, revealing the Father and the Son to us, uh, even his role in uh, the spiritual transformation and sanctification that happens uh, as we walk with him. And so uh, what I found over the last few years is growing in my theology of the Spirit has opened me up to see the benefit of praying to the Spirit and even understanding more thoughtfully and theologically when we pray a prayer like come holy spirit what are we praying because for a long time i would have thought come holy spirit he's already here he's omnipresent why would we ask him to do that And it's through hearing some guys like Sam Storms and other speakers uh, talking on this subject that I've come to realize that when we pray come Holy Spirit to a God who's omnipresent, we are not asking the Lord to come and be somewhere where he isn't already here. Rather, we're asking him to come and do something that he might not already be doing. Or Aaron, we even talked about this yesterday, make us more aware of something that he is doing that we might not be aware that he's doing. And so I've grown to love, like, love those prayers of, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Uh, Sam Storms talks about this as accommodated metaphor. So when, you know, you think of the Spirit falling, was he not omnipresent when the Spirit fell at Pentecost? And then he became omnipresent after? Or is it accommodated metaphor? The scripture says that we are to draw near to God as he draws near to us well, does the Lord have to draw near if he's omnipresent? And so those are some of the things that as I've wrestled with, I become more open. Uh, and so kind of moved from the camp of, I really don't think you should pray this to seeing how it may be negatively affected my theology to now come to a point where I really believe that uh, the, the more important root issue isn't, are you praying directly to the spirit or not? It's, do you have a robust theological view of the spirit that's consistent with what the Bible teaches? Uh, and then how does that impact your life, your love for God, your love for neighbor, uh, how you live in light of those things. And so that's been some of my experience with this conversation and knowing that I still know and have a bunch of friends on both sides. Uh, but yeah, I'd love Aaron, you know, passing what's been your experience personally, and we can start there.
1: Um, yeah, well, those are really helpful thoughts. Thank you for starting the conversation with that. I I grew up. My my personal experience was I didn't grow up in a in a church that you know had a negative view of the Holy Spirit or something like that. I I did grow up. Actually, it was a very healthy church. Like when I I didn't know it at the time, but when I look back on, I grew up in a really small Baptist church, and I, I didn't know what biblical community was. If you would have asked me to define that, you know, when I was a teenager, I would have like looked at you funny, but I look back and I'm like, wow, I was, uh, by God's grace in the midst of an amazing community of people that loved God, loved me, were helping me come along. Um, one of the only, uh, you know, downsides, no church is perfect. One of the, one of the downsides of our church was was just kind of an absence of, of teaching on the Holy spirit. So it wasn't, I didn't have a negative view. I just didn't have any, any teaching on it really. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I came, I came into understanding things of the spirit more by experience. And, you know, I'm not saying that's the good way to do it or not, but that, that's, that was my, you know, journey. And so it was the first time I was sitting in a theology class and I started um, putting the two and two together where I was like, oh, these are things that the Bible says the spirit does. And that makes total sense because he's been doing that in my life. I just didn't have a a name for it. You know, I didn't know what to call it. And it would be like, just the spirit empowering me to, to do something, you know, to lead worship or to share the gospel with someone. And I would just, you know, feel this courage that felt abnormal, you know, or I would feel this uh, like almost like propulsion to lead or, or something like that. And I had no idea later. I would just say, Oh yeah, that was the Holy spirit you know, empowering me to do something that he had called me to do and so on and so forth. Um, and so that just began a, a really kind of an awakening in some ways, you know, it's like when you're uh, when you discover a part of who God is and a part of what the scriptures are revealing about him that you've kind of not known, you know, it it has an enlivening effect on your faith because yeah. you're like, oh, my, you know, you're kind of like coming alive to new new revelation and so much like you i then had to figure out what how, what that meant you know and i think the the place that you started of like you know why do we ask why would we ask god's spirit to come or to fall or something like that when he is omnipresent i think that's a great place to start because both of those from my viewpoint are are both true biblically you know and you you have the psalmist going well where could i go that you're not there you know go up to the heavens, can make my bed in Sheol, wherever I, you know, anywhere I go, God is there. And um, you have that idea. And then you have also these uh, stories that are normative really throughout the whole biblical narrative of God doing specific, unique, um, powerful uh, things. And it's like, so they're both there. And so I think I'd, I would just first like to acknowledge for all of us who get kind of lost in that on both sides that I do think there's some some legitimate reasons why we you know we argue about these things or we struggle through them a little bit is because they are both true and there is some logic to well if he's here why am i asking him to come here you know that idea and probably the one resource i would uh refer to and i know i know you've read this book as well dalton but uh professor ryan lister wrote a book on God's presence, and I was studying under him right when the book came out, and I um, I tried to pull it off my shelf, but I don't have it at my home library here. I was going to just show it to you guys, because if you're interested, this book was just biblically s- super helpful for me, um, but he, he basically just talks about um, both of those ideas being biblically true, uh, but particularly regarding... You know God's manifest presence as it's often called or you know the moments where we would ask for God to do something he he just points out that in the scriptural narrative um, that's a really normative way that God acts and the primary reason God does those things is to kind of move things along toward his uh, the theological like phrasing is toward his eschatological purposes you know like which I can get lost, you know, it's easy to get lost in that phrase, but it's like he's moving things along toward his redemptive uh, work in our lives, in our cities, in the world. And he chooses to act in extra powerful ways, you know, however you want to call it. Like I've heard a lot of people discuss it. And then the question is like, is, is God more present than he was? Are we just more aware of it it's like i don't I don't really know the answer to that question. all I know is that it seems heightened and it seems like um for me experientially, I'm just hyper aware that God is doing something here that is special and it's powerful and uh, I trust and know that it's good for all of us you know and yeah. so I think it was just really helpful for me to think anytime I'm praying that prayer of like come holy spirit or singing a song for the holy spirit to fall or to move or something like that in my mind and heart and i think probably a healthy thing for all of us would be that's not in that's not saying that he's not already there it's just saying god we we want your kingdom to come on earth we want you to save people to reveal yourself in a greater measure we want to be closer to you we want to live more holy lives like all the things that you want for us we're saying yes and we're also saying we can't do it on our own so we're asking you in your divine power by your holy spirit to do that here you know yes. and i think those are it's like that's the nuance that in a simple phrase in a worship service or in a song lyric you you can't say all of that, all of that you know yes. yeah songs are to the point they have to rhyme you know they, they have they're constrained to meter and stuff like that and yeah and I think maybe some of that is where the, the uh, lack of understanding comes because we say simple phrases like that and we don't always get the nuance of what we're really meaning and what the Bible is really meaning, I think. Um, anyway, that's just two cents on that that idea of yeah. You know, that. I'd love to stop talking and hear you guys add to that or challenge wow. me. Or whatever. No,
0: no, I, I love I love that book. I'll just say one thing and then pass it over to John, which is in that book by Ryan Lister, he takes it one step further and actually says, like the main thing that the scripture, when it comes to God's presence, omnipresence is biblical, but is not the primary concern of the scripture. The scripture is not trying to convince people that God is omnipresent, present. He's trying, it's trying to convince people of God's redemptive relational presence that Mm -hmm. God, that's the main uh, thought of the presence of God in the scriptures. And so I, it's almost like when we pray come Holy spirit, like we as Christians, because something has happened somewhere in history before us and in our churches where people reacted to maybe an abuse or a misunderstanding of God's presence, we've swung maybe out, uh, away from the main biblical theme of God's presence. And I think that's what you're trying to get us back to, Aaron, and your thought of, now this is actually what I'm, it's the nuance, but we shouldn't have to nuance it because that's already the way the Bible talks about it. Yeah, but we're not yeah. as uh, familiar with. It. And just
1: just to add one thought because I think you're bringing up something really important is unfortunately sometimes in the church whenever whenever there is abuse or there is um you know may, maybe it's not abuse but it's just a lack of knowledge it's like sometimes we instead of diving deeper into it and explaining it with more nuance and and better teaching we just the other option is to just kind of avoid it altogether. Yeah. And I think that is a part of this conversation of like, um, I actually think one of the healthiest things would be a better, uh, more recurring teaching about about the Holy Spirit so that it's not um, a misunderstood topic, which is interesting because in First Corinthians 12, you know, Paul says at the beginning of, of this whole teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, um, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed.
0: <laughs> and Yeah.
1: Every time I read that I'm just like, you know, isn't that interesting that the topic that Paul says very clearly, I don't want you to be uninformed about the things the spirit does, ironically is one of the things that I feel like maybe we're most uninformed about. So, mm. like maybe yeah. maybe we do need just better biblical teaching to help us sort some of this out. And no doubt we're probably still going to land on different places and in, in different churches, but that I don't I can't see how that would be unhelpful.
0: Yeah. Man, John, what, what's been your experience in that?
2: Yeah. Um, man, that's all really good stuff. I, uh, kind of in contrast to you, Aaron, I sort of come from a, I come from a small Baptist church as well, but it was much more of, um, I don't know if I would go straight to saying it was a healthy, um, it was a little bit more of a legalistic and, uh, you know, kind of, um, independent, you know, Baptist church thing. I I grew up in California and, um, we didn't really talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit um, either, and it was it was almost like we didn't really trust the Holy Spirit, you know, in a quality control sense right. that he would be able to that he'd be able to get people down the road where where we thought they should go. So there was a lot of outside in um, sanctification, if you will, kind of like hey, this is what you need to look like, this is what you need to act like, this is, and there was very very little. Um, teaching if any about the holy spirit um the holy spirit mainly a, a, in my kind of background um was a lot of talking about the holy spirit was just kind of like hey the holy spirit is uh sort of a spotlight on jesus you don't address him you don't look at it you don't he is sort of like uh, like the cameraman you know like you, you don't really address him he's breaking the third wall you know um <laughs> maybe nobody said that maybe Good way of saying no
0: it. i've heard people say that like oh, actually, really? okay. not, not cameraman, but like <clears throat> his only job is to put the light on Jesus. And yeah. he, he's the shy member of the Trinity. He doesn't want any. Yeah.
2: So yeah, keep going, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was just a lot of, um, of not knowing, you know, kind of like not understanding um, that kind of fed into my background, which is, I honestly think a lot of, maybe a lot of worship leaders are there. And I think this is a really helpful conversation, a really valid question, even, especially when you're talking about, um, we're kind of, there's kind of like a thousand topics. We, there's a lot of directions we can go with this. Um, I know we had mentioned, like, do we want to sing or, or or even pray directly to the Holy Spirit? Because, I mean, it's a valid question because, I mean, and, and, you know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray to the Father. Um, he prayed to the Father, you know, so it's a valid question, I think. But um, at the same time, um, going kind of going back to like the the dichotomy of like you know god is omnipresent his holy spirit is everywhere um, and yet how many of us have been in a situation where you just see and feel the weight of depravity and you're like come lord jesus you know it's like you you know that yes the spirit is everywhere but also he is not right here <laughs> and he needs to be and that's the difference of probably just like yes he is present omnipresent but He's not actively redeeming this brokenness right now. Um, I think of um, like N.T. Wright does a lot of when he talks a lot of this. He talks a lot of it almost like the heaven is kind of like the control room and like the spiritual like realm, you know. And I, I do think of like how he he sort of describes it as like you know heaven in the spiritual realm is sort of um, when it was first designed was was perfectly in line with earth and then sin fractured it and we got out of alignment kind of like the upside down you know um and and so now it's kind of like uh you know i feel like we we can look at areas in this broken world and just be like holy spirit come and bring alignment bring your presence the fullness Mm -hmm. of of your presence here and I, i think a lot of songs um First of all, I, the, the main song I think about, when I think about Holy Spirit, I think of the, you know, the Kim Walker, Holy Spirit. And, you know, like telling the Holy Spirit he's welcome here um, versus just saying you are here are kind of two different things, you know? Um, you can acknowledge that you're in the presence of your of your enemies or, or of anybody for that matter, but to say, no, you are welcome here. Like I am giving you my attention. I'm giving you my will. Um, so I think, I think that in itself um, is almost kind of like recognizing the roles of the Trinity. I think I think that's kind of an important thing to understand. And Aaron said that as well. But um, you know, when you talk about like the roles, I don't know. As a worship leader, maybe you guys have ever done this. I'm sure you have, or you've heard it. You ever like start to pray as a worship leader, and you're like, Jesus, we just thank you for sending your Son to die for us, and it's like. And then you catch yourself, you're like, what did I just say, you know? Uh, And I feel like God is just kind of like, kind of just doing like a little SMH moment. And he's just like, man, what, what are you doing? But at the same time, I think he's kind of like really understanding of like, okay, because there's not a member of the Trinity that is not involved every single time we pray, you know? Um, So I I think that's important to understand. But... um, like particularly like the song that that we released for from Mercy Hill is um it's kind of it's a prayer to the Holy Spirit but it's acknowledging the Holy Spirit's role as particularly in the role of sanctification like inside of believers you know um because worship I think worship is so much more we know this of course worship is so much more than just singing um man it's sacrifice it's it's saying no to something you love maybe to something that you so that you can say yes to something you love more, and it's it's this um, this confession of saying, Holy Spirit, I know you are in me, um, but this this battle that is within me of the flesh and the spirit, I'm submitting my flesh to you. I'm surrendering to you. You know, and so it's acknowledging the role. I do think it would be weird um, if there was a song that said, Holy Spirit, you know, thank you for um, dying on the cross for me, or something that's just kind of like out of whack. You know, I can understand, um, where we want to make sure that we're talking to the right person. Um, but at the same time, also knowing that like, I mean, the Holy Spirit's always, he's, he's an advocate. He's teaching us. He's reminding us of everything Jesus said, but also he's interceding for us. Um, you know, at, when, even when we have silent groans, you know, and so, um, even if we are praying to the father, it's not like the Holy Spirit is like, is that, is it okay if I'm listening? You know, like this is just between you. It's like, no, we're all here, you know? So
0: that's great, man. I, I think that's so helpful and mm-hmm. even opens up, I think, a, a just a helpful moment to put this in about songwriting. And there's, there's so much grace. The father, can we, we can all acknowledge in the mercy of God towards us in Christ, there is so much mercy and grace. Like, that he would allow us again and again and again to come back to him, prodigal sons who have turned away, who have squandered their inheritance. And when we come back, he doesn't lecture us, but he embraces us, a father to a son. There is there is grace when we slip up and we pray to the son for sending the son. Uh, but in songwriting, we become teachers. In leading songs, we become teachers, and teachers are held to a higher standard. And I think we would all as songwriters say, we need to be more thoughtful i don't think any of us are like songs today are are just too good and too thoughtful and we need to take a few steps backwards we all want to grow and becoming more thoughtful and not just in the wordy you know modern hymn movement but in all aspects of the simple song that's only four lines long we want those to be thoughtful even if even if they're only saying something really simple, Lord, I want to come and bless your name. We want to make sure that it's a thoughtful way of approaching that. And so, um, no, I think that's super good, uh, especially as we think about what we sing. Uh, Man, we've been singing a song here by Austin Stone called In the Hands of Christ, My King. And it says, come Holy Spirit, move in power. And I do almost every time tell my church because i know there are people who will and this is maybe a a note on being pastoral and the way we lead i know there are people in my church who if i don't say this might be prone to think hey i I don't know about singing this line come holy spirit so like i set it up this past weekend hey we're it's it was pentecost sunday at the time of recording this it's just a few days after pentecost sunday i said hey we're going to sing a song that says come holy spirit it's not because he's not here, but it's because we want to come, but we want to ask him to come and do something. We know he's here. We're asking him to come and work. It's not just come Holy Spirit. It's come Holy Spirit, move in power, show me the father, show me the son. Like that's his work in revealing the father and the son to us. And so, yeah, I think we need more thoughtful songs. There aren't a ton of songs that I love that are really thoughtful about the Holy Spirit. I just haven't found, like, a ton. Maybe there's, like, five. Uh, I've, I've been loving the one that you wrote, uh, John. I love some of the, uh, in Abide, where your spirit leads. Like, you've incorporated that, Aaron. Uh, I, actually, John and I wrote a song. It'll come out sometime this year. But it, it talks about the spirit. Uh, and I, I had trouble writing it, honestly, as I, I was like, I don't know how to write this line. And it was the line, the line in the course that John ended up editing for me. And so, but I like really had trouble approaching it and being thoughtful about how to sing about the spirit because I just had no experience writing about it. So yeah, we want to keep growing in those things. Uh, I'll, I'll move the conversation now to is, is we think about maybe someone objects to praying to the spirit. They say, Hey, I actually, while I know it's what the spirit does, I actually just don't think you should do that what would your thoughts be on that or how would you navigate that conversation
2: yeah i kind of jumped the gun a little bit and, and shared a little bit of my thoughts on this already yeah. you know in terms of um you know i think that the holy spirit is involved in our prayers already you know he interprets for us and intercedes for us and um i think you know when we are praying uh, to the Father or to the, you know, whether we're praying to the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit, you know, like I said, I, I do think it's it's good for us, especially as teachers, to help people to understand it um, because I think that it emboldens people and, and allows people to um, it's not just like, hey we want to make sure we have the right answers you know, for, for the sake of having the right answers it's like, maybe we want you to understand the power that's in you is the same power that like raised Jesus from the dead, like this is this is a big deal and people man people are trying to overcome addictions and sin and people have big things and in their life and they're like man I want to be able to pray but I don't even know where to start or, or I don't know if I have the right words to say it's like man the Holy Spirit's role in prayer is like man he knows already he just wants He just wants your heart to go ahead and go there you know and it's like he, he's gonna help say the right words and interpret for you so whether you're saying Holy Spirit or Father, and this is, this is, of course, this is my perspective. I know maybe people have different perspectives um, on this particularly, you know, and I don't want to be super cavalier and just say like, you're wrong or you're wrong, you know. Um, because I do think it's really important and prayer is so important. Um, you know, wh- one of the thoughts about prayer too that I have is like even just how often Jesus would, would pray. Um, and that's so interesting if you think about it, because Jesus, you know, is God too. Um, and the fact that he prayed, and I think a lot of times we use prayer as this um, hotline, this like, um, it's a genie moment. It's kind of like, hey, I'm gonna pray because this is wrong in my life, this is wrong in my life, and God, I want you to restore comfort to me. Um, and it's at the same time, it's like, man, Jesus, jesus would go and pray knowing he was about to go into the most uncomfortable situations you know whether it was into the wilderness to you know for 40 days to fast or go to the garden you know to pray right before going to the cross and all of these things and it's like man jesus at the same time was god and he could have summoned you know angels he could have done anything but the thing is is that he prayed because he he had this intimacy this relationship with his father And there's an aspect of prayer that is just intimacy it's there's this there's this element of prayer that is not just god there's brokenness and yes that's true and we do want the 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 redeeming work of the holy spirit to come but there's also this like this intimacy i mean jesus said his the most important command of all of them is that we love the lord with all of our heart soul and strength and that we love our neighbor and man there's so much to be said about just praying to have a relationship with, with God, you know, just like, man, God, like, I love you. Like, thank you. You know? Um, it's not just, I want or I need, but sometimes it's just like, like you said, Dalton, like, God, we bless you right now. Like, I'm thankful. I just am, I'm sitting here with me and my wife were sitting outside on the deck last night and the weather was perfect. The sun was setting. Um, we had lights on. It was just like kind of one of those like moments where you're just like, Thank you, God. You know, it's just like this is a a beautiful time in life that we can just be thankful and thank him for creation and thank him for his blessings to us. And so, um, man, there wasn't a formalized like heavenly, like, babe, let's pray right now. Uh, We didn't do that. We could have and it would have been great, you know, Um, and we weren't like father by the by the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the sacrifice jesus made on the cross we're praying to you right now it's like man was it wasn't that you know it doesn't have to be that um it's like god wants our heart you know he desires that that um the heart that is just like leaning in and, and sometimes there's spirit there's praying in the spirit that i'm just like in that moment just sitting there just like thank you you know like i'm just feeling thankful and that's in itself kind of a prayer though it wasn't audible. Um, it, was a, it was a Holy Spirit prayer that, that was there, you know, so um, man, but I also think that it just glorified the Father and the Son at the same time because if it wasn't for Jesus um, there would never be able to we would never be able to have that communion we would never have access to just pray in the Spirit like that um, you know, so it's it's man, it's it's sort of an all-encompassing all-inclusive package here when we pray to one, we kind of get all three yeah
0: that's uh that's really good. But when I open my Bible, it doesn't say Holy Spirit at the beginning of the prayer. So <laughs> Yeah. Right. Aaron, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: well, um I want to respond to one thing John is saying there, because I, I really uh I think at a heart level, um I really resonate, which is is essentially like, you know my deduction of what John was just saying is like, I do think there's something to be said about being really thoughtful and articulate and precise and formal with our prayers in certain moments. And then there's also just this extremely relational, I think even uh, you could even call it, there's just a a spiritual aspect that is kind of also be beyond words that I do think is biblical. You know, it's, it's our human spirits created, breathed in, into by God uh communing in a nonverbal way with God, and I think I think depending on sometimes our personality preferences and things like that, we can tend to uh say one of it's only one of those two ways, you know, yeah and so obviously, if I'm standing on a stage in front of people, um I need to be more thoughtfully articulate than I do when I'm on my back porch with my wife, like John's talking about but I think all of that plays into this conversation because, you know, when you, when you say, Hey, I don't see it when I'm opening to an, you know, an epistle in the new Testament, Paul's not saying, he's not praying to the Holy spirit. And to that, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, And ultimately I think if someone were to say like, I just don't believe that's biblical. What do you say to that? My first response, honestly, right or wrong was, well, don't do it. Don't do it then. Um, but could I say a few things to you to make help just for you to consider? And could I really encourage you to maybe, not, if that's your stance, to maybe not think that every Christian who does pray to the Holy Spirit, because globally, yes, I do think globally that would be the majority. Um, I mean, when you just look at um, denominations and numbers of people globally following Jesus, Um, I could be wrong there, but, but from what I've seen, I would say probably the majority of Christians are okay. Praying to the Holy spirit even would say it's good. And so let's just make sure we don't, you know, from my perspective, um, we be careful how we handle those things, you know, um, again, that'll be clear when I say why I think that, but I think one thing I come to is like this, this becomes a bit of a hermeneutical thing issue where The question that seems to be that you're asking is, you know, the scriptures explicitly teach some things and they implicitly teach some things. And what I mean is like when Paul is writing to the church in Rome or, you know, the church in in, any, you could take any of the uh, letters he's writing to a person or a church or in some cases, both. Um, My question is, is Paul in that letter? Is he, he? I'm not sure in any of the letters that I can recall right in this moment, Paul is writing to them to specifically teach them how to pray to the Trinity. You know, um, he's writing to these churches to try to teach them how to keep living as the new covenant people. And he's encouraging them. He's pastoring them. He's rebuking them at times, you know? Um, And so there all that to say, I do think there are times where we try to make the Bible we pretend like the Bible's doing something the Bible's not doing. And I just wonder if in many of those cases, I'm not saying that Paul isn't giving us a clear example of prayer. I I do think, I would say, I I think that's true, but I'm not sure that like in any of those examples of Paul praying, um, he's trying to answer the question exactly how we should pray to the Trinity. Does that make sense? Yeah, And so, but I think that's the conclusions that we come to at times. Um, And so I think when you begin to look more implicitly, like John mentioned about Jesus's life, you know, it's very clear Jesus was divine. He was fully God. He's also fully human. And there's um, many examples in the New Testament, especially in the gospel stories, where we see Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit what it doesn't tell us is how did that happen you know it's like i mean one of the men john mentioned like going into the wilderness like all of all the scripture says is is after jesus was baptized which we know the holy spirit was present there um he was led by the spirit into the wilderness and it's like okay did the spirit tell him in an audible audible voice was it um inaudible in the secret place like was it a prompting was it a feeling what was it we don't know i mean if you guys know tell me i mean (laughs) the best i've studied those past it's like we don't know um the same thing happens to the apostle paul in the book of acts um i should have looked at this passage clearer before we did this i think it might be chapter 16 or 19 but it's basically paul has a plan and he's going somewhere and all it says is that the spirit basically rerouted him. And he, yeah. again, it's how did that happen? Um, did, did the spirit speak it to him? Did he, did he tell someone he was traveling with? And they, you know, what was it? We don't We don't get clarity on that, but we know that the spirit was leading, guiding, directing, and that Jesus, in all of those examples, was obedient to, followed, The guiding prompting of the Holy Spirit that Paul in that example rerouted, changed his whole plans because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I think if you look back into the story of the scriptures, you know, it's like you have everyone from uh, Adam, Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Nehemiah, Paul, Peter, and they all have this one on one relational aspect of of relating to God, you know, hearing his voice, obeying his commands. And I think some of those, I mean, we could go into a lot of that. There's entire books written on that. But in this discussion, I think some of those are the more um, implicit teachings of the scriptures that that they they show more than they tell. You know, and it's like they're showing you how God relates to his people, how he leads but there's not explicit telling of exactly how it happened, you know, and for obvious reason, we, we tend to prefer when it's just told very clearly, black and white, plainly. And I think some of that into your question of like, hey, I don't see it in the scriptures. My response would be, I do see it in the scriptures. It's just not in an epistle where it's very plainly told exactly how it's going to be. But it does seem to be pretty clear and the last scripture i'll i'll point out is like this john uh john 15 has been a major passage in my life we wrote the song abide from it, you know the vine and the branches and in the last year or so john 14 i was like where have, where's john 14 been my whole life um and if you can almost put yourself there like in your mind's eye like you're a disciple of jesus you've been walking with him you know day in day out you've seen him perform these miracles like it's been wild and you know him as a person you know and he starts he starts saying this so this is john 14 uh, verse 4. Um, i did not say these things to you from the beginning because i was with you but now i'm going to him who sent me speaking of the father um, and none of you asks me where are you going but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So they're sad that Jesus is going. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now this is just so interesting because it's got to be mind boggling for the disciples that it's to their advantage that Jesus goes away because the helper capital H is going to be sent to him. Um, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, let me just, I'll just read some of the things that the scriptures say. He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, down in verse 12, he says, uh, I still have many things to say to you, but but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes. So I love that. It's like the spirit and the truth go together he Jesus even refers to the spirit as the spirit of truth so these things are not uh, they're not competing with one another like we think they are you know like the word and the truth of God and the spirit are like functioning together um, so beautiful it's good um, when the Spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, like you mentioned, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said uh, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And there's more, there's more here, but it's even the reason I bring that passage up is it's just like Jesus is giving a pretty clear teaching that he's going to go away and the way that you're going to follow me, like from Jesus's perspective. The way you're going to follow Jesus is by the Holy Spirit, the helper, who's going to come. Yeah. Um, and the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into truth. And I think that's what you see in so much of the scriptures in Jesus's own life, again, in Paul. And even, um, even though it wasn't in the same way with the Spirit and the Old Testament, you know, prior to Pentecost, you do see that relational aspect. And so, all of that to me would just be clear example of like, um, why would I not pray to the Holy Spirit? Like, yeah. Jesus has pretty clearly said He's It's to my advantage that He's coming. He's my helper. He's going to guide me into truth. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, it's you know it's morning time. I'm going to open the scriptures here. I've got my cup of coffee. Um, you know, again, I'm probably like John. I'm not overthinking. <laughs> I'm not overthinking this moment but if it, it feels pretty natural for me in accordance to the scripture here to go holy spirit here i am i want to glorify you with my life today um i'm opening the word would you help me would you like teach me would you lead me would you guide me um all this so jesus name's glorified all this so that the father is honored um of course but that that to me would be like that's just kind of like the down boots on the ground like yeah. that that doesn't feel in any way to me dishonoring the other members of the Trinity. It feels sure. in accordance with what the Bible's saying the Spirit's going to do, um, and. And with that said, I, I do think if, if you've been in a, you know, if you're listening to this and you've been in a place where there have been abuses of the Holy Spirit or it's been, you know, it's a sore spot. It's a wound, maybe a church wound. I, I, I know how that can be hard. And I just want to acknowledge that. Um, yet at the same time, it's like we can find healing for those wounds or growth in our own journey by moving closer to the truth. Which is what I think would be the more pastoral um, call, or we can move away from it and just be like, because there was abuse, because there was you know wrong teaching, I'm just done with that. Yeah, and I think that honestly would be the greater tragedy. Tragedy, um, you know, I've heard a lot of bad sermons in many many years of teaching. I've heard I've heard sermons that teach things incorrectly, but I don't toss out sermons because because there's been abuse or wrong teaching, I I just take what's good and don't take what was unhelpful. And I think it's the same regarding this conversation. Anyway, I've probably talked too long on
0: that, but I mean, it's good.
2: Hey, I think Aaron too, to your point, man, I think like you're saying some of the things in scripture are, you know, maybe more descriptive and more, and and some are prescriptive and where, maybe the Bible doesn't teach us to pray to the spirit. Obviously it does teach us to pray in the spirit um, and by the spirit. But like what you were saying about how the Holy spirit is kind of like a in like a replacement for Jesus. And it's a better replacement because I've heard preachers say that say this way before, like um, the spirit in us is better than Christ with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And though, though Jesus was with them, he was saying, like you said, it's better that I leave because then the helper will come and be in you. Um, And, and to my my point that I wanted to just kind of even like add to what you were saying um, is that like, man, it was absolutely normal though. It wasn't prescribed in scripture that the disciples talked with Jesus. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just that they listened because he was the teacher. It was, it was a two way conversation always. And they always talked to him and, and, um, they complained to him. They would ask him questions and everything. And now as the Holy Spirit is is sort of like replacing um, Jesus in terms of the role of being, you know, like what he said, like, hey, I'm leaving so that he can come. Um, we have that same thing. It's like, well, but except for now, it's better. Now, instead of having to just, you know, physically be where Jesus is to, in order to talk to him. We don't have to go look for him. Like, did he go to the garden? Where did he go? You know, it's like he's there with us. And that same relationship that we could have with Jesus that his disciples had, where it was, yes, we listen, but also we speak. Um, now we have with the Holy Spirit, and that's sort of where I do think, like you were saying, no, it's not necessarily prescribed in scriptures, but it's all over scripture that yes, we talk to Jesus, and now Holy the Holy Spirit comes, and yes, he still wants us to talk with him as well.
0: Yeah, mm. I hear so the different. sirens. Sirens in the background. The theology police are coming for us. they are uh, <laughs> saying that the spirit replaced Jesus. No, I. That's <laughs> so good. It is. It is
1: important. You know, it's like um, you'll hear the the phrase like the spirit of Jesus, and I I do think that's helpful. Of like, um, if we if we're not careful, we parse out the members of the Trinity. Um, And then so far that it's on, that is actually unhelpful. We're like, they are three and they're also one, you know? And so the spirits living in us is the way that Jesus is also living in us. Um, and you know, so it's this beautiful, but yeah, it's this beautiful thing, but I really love, I mean, I think that's a really good point of like the back and forth conversational aspect of it that I do think that is different than just the cameraman, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Or the guy holding the spotlight where it's like, um, that feels uh, that feels like a member of the Trinity that isn't bearing the true mark of what we know God to be, which is relational. And yeah. so I, I think it's like if God is relational, that it means Father, Son and Spirit are relational amongst the three of them and also with us. and so yeah. There's lots we could say, but I think it's so good, man. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah, thank you guys both. I'll close us out uh, with uh, just mentioning. I think a lot of what we are talking about to me relates right to the heart of what it means to pray without ceasing. A lot of what we're talking about is this awareness of the Lord and the Spirit and the moments when you're on your back porch and you're not formally parsing out. You know, I'm praying to the Father in you know the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit it's just this prayer without ceasing that you are communing with God at all times. You wake up in the morning and he's with you. You're going about your day and you're eating lunch and he's with you and you lay your head down at night and right there, he is with you. Uh, and we want to become more aware of that. And then with regards to, you know, uh, church history has prayed to the spirit for a really long time. Uh, but a common thing that people will say, uh, is that it, it really was kind of birthed out of the Pentecostal movement. Uh, and some people would say, Hey, you know, that maybe is not the most helpful thing. I want to read some mid 1600s, uh, just some, some writing from this awesome book. This is a great resource. If you're looking to, to learn more about the Trinity, it's called delighting in the Trinity, a great little book. Um, And this is uh, talking about John Owen, so 1600s reformer. Uh, And he goes on and he kind of talks about each uh, person of the Trinity and he ends with this John Owens quote. Uh, But when it gets to the spirit, it says, then the spirit comforts us where our sin makes us prone to doubt, anxiety, and cold heartedness, where Satan buffets us with accusations. The spirit brings assurance of the father's love and the son's perfect salvation. He makes communion with the son and the father, both real and delightful. And this is his work to the end of the world, to bring the promises of Christ to our minds and hearts to give us the comfort of them the joy and sweetness of them what does that uh, what does it all mean for how we pray well since we have communion with all three persons it is quite right that we should pray to all three jesus commends prayer to the father in john sixteen twenty three. stephen prayed to jesus in acts seven fifty nine. and why while it is harder to find clear instances in the bible of prayer to the spirit owen is adamant that we can quote the holy ghost being god is no less to be invocated prayed to and called on than the father and the son end quote and so for all of our reformed listeners out there who are maybe more hesitant to this it's been part of our history for hundreds of years this is how the many 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 people who love the bible love the scriptures love the father the son and the spirit have understood how we are to pray. Uh, it's not just a recent thing. It's not just coming out of uh, a movement of charismatic, uh, churches that maybe don't line up with your particular view of theology, or if you are uh, in a charismatic church and you're watching this, thank you for watching this. This is good. This is how the Bible teaches us to follow the Lord. So Aaron, John, thank you both so much for coming and being a part of this conversation today. Uh, This may get split into two videos. We'll find out later after I (laughs) see how long we went. Uh, But I just want to thank you both for just uh, how thoughtful you guys are. Even as we talked about that in in the conversation, there's a time to be really precise and thoughtful. Maybe a conversation like this is a good time to be precise and thoughtful. Uh, And it's in that thoughtfulness that it leads us uh, to a greater love for the Lord. It's not just that it's an intellectual exercise. It actually stirs up our affections for God. And so thank you guys for, for leading people today, uh, through this conversation. And hopefully we'll have you guys both back on the channel again in the future to maybe continue some of this or have some other conversations. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.